Well, hi, my sweet friends, and welcome back to the show. I am so, so glad that you decided to push play today, and I have an incredible guest on the show today. Today, I am interviewing Stephanie Gass, who is just one heck of an inspirational fellow sober boy mama. So I can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation. Before we get to that conversation, I would like to share with you just very quickly a testimonial or a few words, if you will, from one of my clients that I just got done coaching. I'm going to call her Didi just to keep it uh, keep it anonymous. And I think Didi is just so fitting because she's decidedly dry now. But anyways, this is what she had to say. She said, I want to extend my most sincere gratitude to you for your coaching and motivation these past couple of weeks. I've noticed so much more of a positive difference having this accountability as well as implementing new practices in my day-to-day life. Through your plan, I feel more confident on this new journey and am so excited for the opportunities this new lifestyle will bring. Oh, that just gives me goosebumps. I know I'm such a dork, but how awesome is that? So with that all being said, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you wish that there was a way to find new coping skills to help you deal with your daily stressors? A way to develop healthy habits that are life-giving and create a self-care toolbox that does not, I repeat, does not involve a wine bottle? Friends, you know that I've been there and I know what it feels like to feel utterly exhausted at the end of the day, to believe that I, quote unquote, earned that glass of wine and that it would help me unwind and feel rested. I, I was there. I was that mom. I too believed that wine was the crutch to survive motherhood and that it was just part of the gig. But what if, what if we worked together? What if we worked together and you had a new and improved healthy self-care plan? One that guided you through, I don't know, the next two weeks of your journey that was personalized to include healthy habits that you actually, here's the important part, enjoy (laughs) all while racking up your alcohol-free days. That is what I can help you do, and that is what I can teach you to do through my Healthy Habit and Sobriety Coaching, okay? I'm not going to talk on this for too much longer. It's feeling kind of salesy, but I just would be, you know, it would be a total disservice if I didn't throw myself out there and offer my services to you. So if you are ready, if I have caught your attention, if you're like, girl, I have been waiting for a sign, and you know what? Just hearing this makes me at least want to hear more. I would encourage you, I would invite you to shoot me an email, okay? It's decidedlydry at gmail.com or just head to the website and explore the different packages, the different options, because I would love to help you feel as good as I feel. It feels good to feel good and I want to help you get there, okay? I have just a few extra spots open for the month of, gosh, what month is it? April. And I'm pretty sure that one of those spots has your name on it. All right, so definitely head to the website, www.decidedlydry.com. You can even book a free 15-minute phone call with me just to make sure that we would be a good match, okay, to work with. (sighs) All right, did I cover everything? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you guys to hear my chat with Steph Gass. Thank you for letting me share that sweet testimonial and just tell you how I can help you at this chapter in my life. So with that being said, let's get to the show. 
Do you ever find yourself questioning if you're drinking too much? Do you find yourself scouring the internet for ideas on how to cut back? Do you fear that the fun will be over if you quit drinking? Decidedly Dry will teach you that you actually don't need alcohol to lessen your anxiety and stress. You absolutely don't need it to survive motherhood. And friend, you are absolutely not alone in this. This isn't just a podcast. It's a sober, curious movement. If you're ready to see how good life is beyond the wine bottle, you are in the right place. Hey, I'm Jess, a coffee slurping, messy bun wearing boy mom who strives to keep it real and bring a smile to your face. For years, I felt like I was living two different lives. By day, I was the fitness enthusiast, protein drinking mom who managed to get all the things done. But once the clock hit five o'clock, the cork was popped, the glass was full, and mom was checking out. This constant back and forth between fit mom and wine mom became utterly exhausting. I finally realized that in order to be the healthy, creative, joyful mom that I knew I could be, I needed to break up with booze. I created a plan that fit me, one that reinvented self-care, focused on the good, and gave me a life that I did not want to check out from. Now I am on a mission to help you create a life that you absolutely love. It's time to turn down the drinks and turn up the joy, babe. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and let's do this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for pushing play today. I have an amazing guest today. I have Stephanie Gass. Hi, Steph. Hey, Jess. What's up, girl? Oh, I'm like just so excited to talk to you because we just wrapped up a training that I did with you, which was with how many was it? Like 30, 30 of us? Yeah, we had like 37 or 38 women. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And one man, right? And one man. Yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like I'm getting like the VIP status right now. Cause I get you all to myself and I get to bring my listeners your amazing story. So thank you in advance. You're welcome. Yeah. So you were, you know, obviously we're coaching on your podcast and working on your business model. And I'm like, Jess, I want, I got to come share my story because I'm literally, <laughs> you know, the, the right fit for your, for your podcast. So I imposed my story on Jess. I hope that it blesses you guys today. I'm so thrilled. Well, <laughs> we are just going to dive right in sisters. So this episode kind of, well, my show kind of runs like other ones where we just start from the beginning. So why don't you first off, just tell listeners a little bit about yourself. So who you are, if you have kids, where you live, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I live in New Mexico. I've been born and raised here. Fun fact is that we have all four seasons, even though people perceive us to be a desert, we actually have snow and we have summer and we have fall and it's just so beautiful here. I live right outside the main city in a mountain range. I love mountains. I love to mountain bike ride. I'm an outdoor person. I've got two little boys. Let's see nine and six crazy. How fast time flies. Uh, I'm married. We live in a little bit in the country. We're getting chickens. So we're about to be legit, you know, like we're going to have like three. So like, we're kind of getting legit out here. I've got a boy dog. So I'm totally surrounded by all the testosterone in my house. Um, I'm a full-time entrepreneur. I run a podcast and a business where I coach women on how to grow an online business, uh, using podcasting. So that's what I do. And obviously how Jess and I met, she went through my programs and, uh, work from home full time. And let's see. Yeah, definitely have a long history with all the fun stuff we're going to talk about today. So that's kind of where yes. I sit today. And I'm a Jesus lover. My faith is not something that I hide. It's something that, um, 
I really believe is part of my business and it's part of my story mm-hmm. and it's part of the finding the freedom that I found from so many different addictions in my life. And so you'll definitely hear that through my story as well. Um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Love coffee. Fun fact, number two. Sometimes like these stories, I feel like I'm listening to my own story too. I'm like, Oh, and I have two boys. I have oh. 10 and nine and a oh. boy dog. So yeah, sister, I'm with you. Yep. <laughs> totally outnumbered. <laughs> yep. Well, my friend, um, I would just like to hear your history with alcohol. So yeah. this show is all about focusing on the good, but we got to know where you came from. So For if sure. you don't mind sharing kind of just your history with alcohol. So maybe when you yeah. started and maybe when those flags started coming up. Yeah. So growing up, you know, my dad came from a line of alcoholics and so beer was always around in my childhood. And, you know, when my dad would drink too much, we would just disappear. My mom would take us to the library or whatever. We lived in a super small town. And so we would just walk and go to the park or whatnot. And the biggest thing that I remember is like, oh, your dad's drinking. We need to leave. And that was because, you know, he had a shorter temper when he was drinking. And that came from what he was taught as a child. And I think we constantly have to remember that our parents, they do the best they can, but that they've been dealt the hand they've been dealt. And so they're kind of migrating and walking through that. And so he was living this life that he saw himself. Now, my mom never drank at all because she was trying to overcompensate for him. And so that was like what my childhood consisted of was like, we would leave all the time and he, my dad would drink. And so that was throughout my childhood until my parents got divorced when I was in third grade. And so then we really didn't have the sheltering from it anymore because we'd go there with him on the weekends and then we'd be with my mom. And as we got older, you know, it becomes more obvious, like what's going on and I just constantly felt like, not that my dad was abusive in any way, and he totally loved us. He was just very stern and kind of emotionally unavailable. And when he would drink, it would turn more of like to a quickness and anger. And I was a very soft child. Like I had already high anxiety as a kid. And I dealt with a lot of like mindset problems and confidence problems as a child. And so I would feel like I was constantly in trouble and that I was always scared. And I just remember holding on to all that, that fear. And I would, I would just tie that to the alcohol. Right. Mm -hmm. So interestingly that went on and on until I decided, you know, I was going to turn into a teenager and rebel. And so about gosh, freshman year of high school, you know, I don't know if it's the genes in me, like, you know, we're prone to alcoholism in that side of my family, or if it's the rebellion that I was kind of leaning into, like, I didn't really have that many rules and structure at my mom's house. And so I would totally take advantage of that and just started partying from a very young age and trying to fit in and trying to be cool. And as I look back, I feel like because I didn't have the confidence as a young child, when I would drink, of course you would feel very confident and you'd be comfortable being the center of attention. And so I would drink, but I didn't know how to drink. And so I would drink until I would black out and this would go on and on and on. And, you know, one day I remember being dropped off on the porch of my mom's house, completely blacked out drunk. I had thrown up, I had urinated on myself and whoever I was with left me on the doorstep and rang the doorbell and my mom answered the door. Right. And she's like, bless her heart. 
oh my gosh, she's dying. Like, no, yeah, like she's completely freaking out. Excuse me. And so she brings me inside and calls my dad because they were divorced at the time. And he comes over and he takes one look at me and says, she's just drunk and leaves because that's just what I was. I was just, just drunk. And so, um, she, you know, that experience did not change me. It didn't make me care. I think I had such a hardened heart that I just, I wanted to fit in and be popular more than I cared about anything else Hmm. during high school. So that continued. And I got into some of the wrong crowds and the partying honestly just got worse. Now, my mom, I would remember one time she found a bottle of vodka in my closet and I'm in high school and she's like, do you have a problem? You know, why are you, why do you have this? And I was like, no. And I don't think I had a problem in the sense of being an alcoholic in high school. My problem was drinking to excess, which is an absolute problem. Whenever I did get my hands on it, I didn't know moderation. I had no, like, it was the constant, like over drinking that Mm -hmm. would happen. And that went on and on. And so I just, you know, didn't care, didn't care, didn't care. Well, I end up in my twenties, mid twenties, still drinking a lot. And I would at this point think about when is it okay to drink? Is it three o'clock yet? Do I have an excuse to drink? Are we going to a barbecue? Awesome. I can get alcohol. I was constantly thinking about when and how to drink. And so you could start to see the shift towards the question marks of like, is this becoming a problem? Now, the weird part was it was super normalized from my dad's side of the family. He would just party with me. And so it was like, well, my parents think this is my dad thinks this is normal. And everybody I hang out with drinks this much. So it's completely normal. And I was the fun stuff. I was the fun girl. And so I just continued to ride that high. And for me, I wasn't in a place in my faith where I was praying, where I was asking for any kind of discernment over this. It was just me and, Mm -hmm. you know, living from a flesh place, if you will. So I remember being at work one day and my mom called me and I was probably mid twenties at this point. And I was with someone that I've been dating for a long time. And when he would go to work, he worked night shifts. I would just sit and drink wine, like four or five glasses and watch trashy TV. It's crazy now that Jess knows me, you guys, she's probably like, who is this person? I'm totally a different person. (laughs) It's crazy though. I love it. How different you can be. Mm Mm-hmm. And what's available for you. So anyways, I would do that. And I would, I remember being on the phone with her and I said, oh, I need a glass of wine. And she starts crying on the phone. And this is like, you know, she's been dealing with me for 10 years, watching me become all these things she doesn't want me to become. And she says, did you hear what you just said? I said, no. And she said, you said, I need a glass of wine. You sound like every alcoholic I've known my whole life do you hear where you are? And I remember being so angry at her and being like, how dare you call me out? Like, I don't have a problem. You know, everybody drinks this much. This is ridiculous. And, but when I hung up the phone, something was like inside my heart was, I felt conviction. And for me, you know, I've always been somebody who, is spiritual and had been looking for, I was always a believer, but I had fallen away from my faith. But that I believe was the first, like Holy spirit was still leading me and inside of me and knocking, like 
come home, but I didn't know what that was yet. And I was pushing it away because I didn't even want to look at it. So I heard her and it, every time I would drink, I was like, do I have a problem? I started to ask the question, right? Do I have a problem? Do I have a problem? Anyways. <clears throat> so I stopped drinking so much for about the next six years. I took it down to like when we're traveling or, you know, and at this point, fast forward, I am married now I'm in my early thirties and we just drink when we like go places or camp or whatever. But when I, we would get in those situations, I still find myself over drinking. So the drinking was less and I felt like I had it under control completely, but like, then I would over drink. Well, about 30 to 31 years old, I found my faith again, like in a really big way. I had been praying about some things that happened in my business. And so it kind of opened the door for me to grow into a relationship with God and find who he really was. And as I started to work on myself and pray and ask God to help me in each area of my life, this alcohol thing kept coming up Hmm. and I would just ignore it. I'm like, yeah, God, but I already fixed that. Like (laughs) I only drink once a week. Like it's control. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in control. It's great. Well, I ended up having my first son and this had been going on, but I kept growing in my faith. I kept growing and growing and growing in my faith. And I had come to this place just of being like, God, I fully surrender each area of my life to you. Like my marriage is yours. My motherhood is yours. My health is yours. My business is yours. Like I was fully sold out. And I said, show me the pieces of me that are hurting me, that are still hindering me, that are causing my heart to just not be open and be loving and not be in Christ, like remove them from me. No idea that alcohol was even part of that story. So all of a sudden, and people listen, you guys might think I'm so weird, but this is literally what happened (laughs) from the moment I prayed that prayer, Jess, I started to have anxiety attacks whenever I would drink really big, awful, like I'd wake, I'd have, even if I had two drinks, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, full cold sweat, heart beating out of my chest, thinking I'm going to die. I would vomit or like have to use the restroom. It was so bad. Mm. And I would just poo poo it away. I'd be like, oh, well, it's because I have travel anxiety. It's because I have a kid now. And now I'm worried that my kid isn't safe because we're out or whatever. Like I'd make up all these excuses to why I was having anxiety attacks. And I still kept clutching the alcohol. I couldn't give it up. And so another year goes by and I'm just, I continue to drink, even though the anxiety, my fingers would swell bright red and like blister. And I'm like, maybe I'm allergic to alcohol. And I started asking these questions. <laughs> it must be like, gluten or something. Like, <laughs> Let me buy gluten free, right? So I'm making all these excuses up. And finally, because I'm afraid to ask God, like, are you asking me to lay down the alcohol? I didn't want to ask because I think I knew the answer and mm-hmm. I didn't want to give it up. And I don't know why I didn't want to give it up. I think I felt like everyone would judge me for giving it up. I felt like I didn't know how to have fun without it. I felt like, how can I go to our, we have this family cabin with my husband's family and everybody drinks. And it's like, how do I fit in? And everyone's going to think I'm weird. And I had all these thoughts and reasons why I couldn't just not drink. Right. And so one day I, we went on a date, it was our anniversary. And I was like, okay, God. I'm going to have one beer and I'm going to nurse the beer all night long. If I have an anxiety attack, I know that it's you asking me to lay down alcohol and I will do it. So we have the one beer. I drink it super slow knowing there's no way I'm going to get sick. (laughs) I'm great. 
12 a.m., wake up, full panic attack. I hear you. I know this is you. And so I committed and I went sober for six months, completely sober, just completely done with drinking. We went on a camping trip and everybody, we went to a brewery during this time and everybody was drinking. I started crying because I wanted to have a beer and I felt left out. Mm -hmm. And I realized it wasn't the alcohol. It was that I felt left out. I felt like I had to do it to be included. And it took me all the way back to this little 17 year old kid going, how do I be seen and included? I do what everyone else is doing. And that was the first moment that I realized, like, I don't need to be included. I don't need to be like everybody else. Like God sees me and it's okay for me to not do what everyone else is doing and to still be fun and to still be loved. And so that went, and then, um, after that six months, I thought I'll try drinking again. Cause that's a great idea. Yeah. And so <laughs> we went to this wine festival, me and some of my sister-in-laws and I had wine. I think I had two glasses, same thing. Panic attack happened. I said, I'm done. And I didn't even have fun. I had a headache and I, it really did not. I felt so good during that six months that I had given it up. Like I was productive. I was growing. My business was finally flourishing. Like mm-hmm. all these things unlocked in my life that I knew for me, that it was a spiritual thing that God was asking of me so that I could grow into this woman that he needed me to be without this idol and this addiction in my life. And so after that point, which was about four years ago now, roughly, like I haven't had another drink since. And now I don't, I don't want it. I don't Mm -hmm. even really want to be near it. Like I'm okay to be near it, but I prefer not to be because I just, don't want anything to do with it. I think it's really sad that it's been normalized to the level that it has. I think it's sad that the lies have been spoken over us that we need it to be who we are. And I just see so clearly now what's on the other side of it um, for me. So that's kind of that whole story. I love it. I was sitting here. I'm like, should I be taking notes? There's so much I want to comment on. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I mean, the biggest thing is, is so many of us can relate to everything you just said, you know, it's, it's unfortunate and beautiful all at the same time when we hear these stories and we're like, oh man, like my story is not that unique anymore (laughs) because so many of us identify with so much of that, you know? And I loved the part when you said, even in the beginning, how I was probably like, oh wow, Steph, like I only see you as this amazing, successful leader. But you know what, when you shared all of that, you became more real to me. Mm because of your vulnerability and because you have a real story, you know, and, um, I love that. And I love how you slowly got to that point where the benefits and how good you felt, it just outweighs everything. It's like, why would I go back now? And sometimes we need that, that one time of moderating, you know, oh, I think I've, I'm good. I remember I can handle this. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same thing. And then it was like a month went by and I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) I was so much better without it. So much better. Um, well, speaking of the good, which is a huge part of this podcast, I always love us to tell our stories and then just really show where we're at now. I mean, how amazing your life can change and all the gifts that you are given when you remove this one thing. So Mm -hmm. I would love, if you don't mind, for you to share just the benefits you started seeing, big or small. Oh gosh, so many things. So the first thing that happened, I think, which is really cool, was 
it, yes, the physical benefit, you know, like you just feel great. Like you're not putting this drug. It is a drug into your body anymore, into your bloodstream, into your brain. It's causing you to feel this instant elate, you know, elation or confidence boost or whatever. But there's this huge repercussion of that, of like the whole next day you feel bad. And then you're feeling guilt and shame around it. Cause you already feel convicted to stop. Mm-hmm. You already feel that, but you keep doing it. And so, you know, you're like battling this inner thing, like all of that physical change, like my energy, those pieces, but what really, I felt like I was free, like before I was in this prison and it was like, your eyes are darting around. Like I'm in prison. And like, how do I get my fix? Like you you feel like there's this like bag that you're carrying it around and you can't let it go. And it's so heavy and you're under all this weight. And when you stop and you, you realize that like, I have the power to let go of this bag. I have the power to walk out of this prison. Like you can breathe and you're free. And like the constant screaming in your brain and the fixation on like, when's the next drink or when's the next event that I can normalize what I want, that I want to drink. Like it's all gone. Like Mm -hmm. there's like this pressure valve that releases and you're just you. And what that did for me, Jess is it didn't just do it in my alcohol journey. It showed me any of these bags you're carrying, any of these, like my addiction to social media, I realized I could just let it go. It showed me that my, you know, issues with food, like I could just let it go. Like all this crap that I was carrying around thinking like, this is part of me and this identity. It wasn't, it was a little extra bag that like, I could just let it go. And so it gave me the power and belief in myself to see that I was unavailable for any of it anymore. And so that gave me my power back and it gave me confidence. So that was really wonderful. And then the biggest thing that it did though, was I think that it unlocked things for me spiritually that grew like you know, wherever you guys are in your faith, listening to this episode, like scripture says that God has plans for you, right? Plans to further you, not to harm you plans, to give you hope and a future that God knew you before you were ever born. And then these beautiful, incredible plans that he has over your life and your business and your marriage and your motherhood, whatever that you're going through, it's available for you, but we first have to get out of our own way, right? We are blocking the gifts that we, that are available to us. Cause instead of clutching God's gift over our life, we're clutching an earthly gift. Earthly gifts are all just facades. It's clutch this bottle of alcohol that makes you feel great, right? Mm-hmm. Clutch this addiction, this thing you're not supposed to do clutch this thing over here, clutch this label of anxiety or worry or whatever it is, you know, clutch all these other things that the world hands you that are supposed to make you feel better or that help you to fixate on a certain thing, even success, even busy, Mm -hmm. all of it is a bag and you're clutching it instead of going, you know what? Like I'm going to clutch God's gifts for my life instead. And I'm not going to care what people say. And I'm not going to care what people think. And I'm not going to care about any of this anymore, except what he has for me. And when I finally got to that headspace and that heart posture, you know, my business exploded. Mm -hmm. My marriage is better than it's ever been. I'm so patient and not, it's not perfect. Like I am literally a completely different person. Like I have been made completely new. 
Mm-hmm. And the old me couldn't have shepherded a business like this. The old me could not have parented my kids the way that I do. The old me would not have a marriage like I have. The old me wouldn't have friendships that God's given me. Like she was, she was in the way of everything that God wanted to give her. Right. And yes, alcohol was a piece of that story. It had to go. And all the other addictions had to go with it. They had to fall away. And so there's so much good. And what I think what I want to, I feel led to talk about right now is that the hardest part for me was one, the decision to try living alcohol free. And that worked really well. I'm going to try this and I'm going to try it for what, whatever, 30 days, Mm -hmm. 60 days. It turned into six months, be willing to try it. And then the other thing that really helped me so much, if you have the heart right now to try, I had to have a reason. It helped me so much. I'm sure Jess has talked about this on the podcast, but I was fun stuff. I always drank. It was expected. And so what was really weird for people when just one day, and I had been talking about anxiety. I'm like, I think alcohol is giving me anxiety. I started to like talk about it. And they're like, oh no, no, that's not what alcohol helps you sleep. <laughs> I'm like, it's not helping me. So they kind of knew I was dealing with that. But what I did is I decided to come up with a, a handy excuse. Mm-hmm. So my handy excuse became alcohol gives me anxiety, but thanks anyway. Instead of saying, oh, I don't drink. Right. Which makes you feel weird. It makes them feel weird. It makes everybody talk about you and curious and weird. Like, oh, she's an alcoholic. Like, I get that. <laughs> and I just want yeah. you to know it's okay to have a handy excuse to get you through your 30 days or whatever you want to try. You don't have to start by committing to be sober forever. See how you feel without it for a month. Watch what is possible for you in baby steps and know that your handy excuse will make people leave you alone. Some other handy excuses were. Oh man, alcohol has been giving me headaches, but thanks anyway. Alcohol gives me anxiety, but thanks anyway. Um, oh, I have an early morning. Thanks anyway. Like what can you lean on that makes it normal that you're not going to drink until you feel comfortable enough to say, I don't drink. That took me over a year Mm -hmm. to a year and a half to be able to just say, I don't drink and not care anymore about what anybody thought of me. So that helped me a lot. And then the third tip I have was what's your fun thing? So my fun thing became, I love kombucha. And so I bring a kombucha when we go to events where everyone else is drinking, I'd rather have that. It tastes amazing to me. So like, what's your fun thing? Do you want to bring a smoothie, an iced coffee? You know, what is your thing that can substitute and that you can be looking forward to in those events that are going to be triggering for you? So anyway, there's just a lot there. I love it. I love it so much. And if people could see this video, they would have seen me just nodding the mm-hmm. whole time. Like, yep, yep. <laughs> because in the beginning, it's the it's that's that's the hardest part, you know. And I think when you drop the word forever, mm. hey, let's just focus on a week. Let's yeah. just focus on the next 30 days. And exactly what you said, having just that go-to line, being prepared with something in your hand, because let's face it, as a host too, if I see girlfriend's already got a drink and I've already greeted her, she's taken care of. So a lot of times they're going to be like, oh, she's good. You know, you don't, you don't have to worry about it, but empty handed, they're going to continue to keep coming. And I love having just that go-to line. And what's so great is after that 30 days, after that week, it's almost normal. Who cares now? You know, it's like, who cares? Who cares? No. And people started to like, not even, you think everyone's looking at you or noticing. And what I found is 
people still didn't even know, like a year later, they're like, oh yeah, do you want a beer? I'm like, they have literally not even noticed that I haven't been drinking for over a year. Like <laughs> they still like offer it to me. It's so funny. And I'm like, oh yeah, remember I don't drink. They're like, oh, like right. nobody cares about you. We think everybody <laughs> cares about us and they're fixated and they're not. And, and I guess the other piece here too, is I finally got to a place where I wanted to stop drinking. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you're listening to this podcast because you are already there, but if you're not already there, those first questions I started asking myself were, do I have a problem? And why do I want to drink all the time? And what does this, what does alcohol mean for me or represent for me? Like these questions I started and I prayed. And if you're a plate, like just lean into that. If that's something that you, I I encourage you to, even if you don't know, like just asking, like, is this something you want for me, God, or can you give me the strength to start to either lessen the alcohol or remove the desire from me to drink. That was a prayer I would pray often. And look what happened. He completely removed the desire because I got anxiety. <laughs> so it's like exactly <laughs> the desire start needs to start to wane for you mm-hmm. to do the work. Right. So where, where does that begin for you? Yep. And one thing you made me think of, um, and then I'm going to totally cheat and look at my notes to make sure I didn't yeah. miss any important questions, but Um, if anybody gives you a bad time about not drinking, please don't take it personally. Because the one thing I have learned is the people that get really uncomfortable and like, you know, think that it's weird or get a little judgmental. That is strictly what I believe to just be their insecurities with alcohol. And it might just be them questioning. Oh, shoot. Cause that used to be a problem. Yeah. (laughs) I used to be like, Oh, you're not drinking with me. Well, because I was over here with the drinking issues. And so I thought everybody else needed to drink as much as me. And now when I look around and I see normal humans having one glass of wine, I'm like, Oh, that's what that should have looked like. Right. Like, right. But I would force them to drink more. And like, I was that, that's the same people you guys are dealing with is your old selves. Right. When you mm-hmm. start to back, back up the drinking or you, so just remembering that. And yeah, I love that Jess, like remembering that's who you're dealing with. And all those people need is one of those handy excuses. Yep. And you just hold, you just hold, you don't, it's like, we're not teenagers. We don't need to give into no. peer pressure. Be strong and know that you're inspiring them. You might inspire them to make a change in their life too. So, oh my gosh, this is so good. I want to talk for four more hours, but I know (laughs) neither of us have that time. (laughs) So I would love for us to kind of end on like either looking forward. What is next for you? What are you working on? Like, how do people get a hold of you? All that good stuff. Yes. So I have a podcast and it's called online business for Christian women. My name is Stephanie gas spelled S T E F A N I E G A S S. And what's next for me is that I just am truly pouring into all the beautiful things that God has given me right now, which is this beautiful business with lots of amazing women that I get to serve and help start their own businesses through podcasting and be able to not have those shackles of social media on their wrists anymore, but be able to grow through a podcast. So that's something I'm pouring into my boys. They're just at that perfect age. Like, as you know, Jess, little boys who are between like eight and 10, like we're the apple of their eye still. And so I'm just like, make the most of this time with them. God, where they still care about me. Right. (laughs) I know. And and allowing me to just really be so present. I'm focused on and I'm praying on how to be, to see my life and my kids and my family, the way that 
the Lord looks at me. Mm-hmm. Like he does not pass me by or half listen to me or think that I'm bothering or inconvenient. Like he literally stops everything that he's doing and says, yes, daughter. And I want to be that in my life for my students and for my family. So I'm working on that intentionality right now and that prayer over my life. And then just enjoying the summer, soaking up some sunshine and getting out there and mountain biking and focusing on that. Um, So yeah, just kind of a beautiful blend of all the things that I have. I love that so much. And I just have to say one thing, boy, mom to boy, mom, you made my heart like want to burst because this is just that magical time, which I know every stage has those beautiful moments. And we are sober, clear-minded mamas that get to not miss a beat. Mm -hmm. But the other night when I was laying in bed reading to my son, he was like brushing my hair with his hand. And I was like, oh my gosh, don't forget this. Don't forget this. And then true real life moment. He goes, whoa, mom, you got so much gray hair back here. And I'm like, oh, and that is a boy, mom. Like, boom. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's so cute. Yes. Well, Steph, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I'm going to have all of the information on how to listen to your podcast, get a hold of you and look at your programs you have to offer too, because so much of what I have learned and am doing with my podcast here is thanks to your program. So Mm -hmm. I will have all of that in the show notes below, but thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And girls and guys, if anybody listening, you can do this, you can do it one day at a time, one decision at a time and being disciplined each and every day, because before you know it, you're going to look up and have hundreds of days behind you. I know. And you will just look and be like, gosh, I feel good. And it feels good to feel good. So why stop? I'm so powerful. (laughs) And look what I can do. I love it. All right, Steph, thank you for being here today. And thank you everybody for listening. 